Welcome to the Beltway Broadcast, the premier podcast for the workplace learning and talent development professionals of the Association for Talent Development's Metro DC chapter. We've got some great resources in store for you today. Hello, fellow ATDers. I'm Stephanie Hupka, the 2021 Vice President of Finance. And I'm Leticia Niago. I'm the 2021 Vice President of Learning for the Metro DC chapter of ATD. And we also have Helena Hodges on the line with us today. She is our Director of Technology and Operations, as well as our producer. And for this episode, we are interviewing Julie Katz. Welcome, Julie. Thanks for having me. So before we dive into today's topic on how to be an ally for people who are different than us, I would love it if you would share a little bit about yourself and your background with our listeners. Yeah, I appreciate that. So uh, I started my own business, Next Pivot Point, almost six, oh, seven years ago. We're somewhere in between on the anniversary. And it was coming on the heels of my own corporate experience. I spent uh, 12 years in corporate America doing a variety of things. was fortunate to get to be a people leader and was very passionate about talent development, coaching, mentoring, you know, really being there for people on my team and helping those that aspired to do more in organizations. And what I realized in my own corporate experience was that I often didn't see myself reflected uh, in the organization, primarily in the leadership team, uh, in anyone, you know, director level and beyond. And as a white woman, you know, I looked around and just didn't see people like me or any real diversity. It was very white male, heavy lead. And I thought, hey, I think we can do better than this. I think we deserve uh, more diverse representation. And that's when I really got the gumption to start my own business focused on just that, uh, feeling and hearing the voices of others inside the organization, making sure that everyone feels seen, heard, and belongs. So that's they're very much the focus at Next Pivot Point. We exist to help foster inclusive workplaces. And whether that's race, gender, all the dimensions of diversity, it's really important that all voices are reflected and that companies are mirroring who they want to do business with. And it's really exciting to see all the positive momentum um, that's happened as of late. And I think a very continued focus, uh, which is really an, an honor to get to do this work. I think the first thing I want to do before asking a single question is thank you. Thank you for recognizing that not all of us are reflected in the leadership that we work with or that we see in organizations. And taking that step forward to do something about that, to be part of the solution is just so important. I mean, what a great role model you are already. And I'm very curious too. It sounds like a lot of your work really stems from the concept of inclusivity building inclusive opportunities into organizations. And it's such a big topic in just about every professional space that we're in, certainly for those of us who work in the talent development field. And I'd love it if you could spend a few minutes telling us a little bit about what inclusivity means to you. Inclusivity, it really means embracing all of the different perspectives. And so if you think about it, whether that's a meeting that you go to, uh, the recruiting process at your organization, the hiring process, the promotion process, you know, really any aspect of the employee experience. 
just taking a look around and noticing who's heard, you know, who's seen, who's invited, who's not, who's interrupted, and just taking a barometer on that. Um, unfortunately, what tends to happen on that inclusivity barometer, if you can imagine that, is that it tends to be the same types of voices that are overrepresented, that tend to be heard more, that tend to be included more, and tend to make decisions more. And the challenge with that is if we're not including all voices and all perspectives in the decision-making process, we're not going to be as innovative. We're not going to make as good of a decision. Uh, We're not going to reflect our customer base in the communities of which we serve. And we really risk long-term being irrelevant uh, to those we want to serve the most. So inclusivity really includes all perspectives. And I like broadening inclusivity to that because to isolate just race and gender, you know, those are visible attributes. Those are ones uh, our brain likes to think they can see, although we can't always see those things. But there's more to diversity. There's more to inclusion. There's the difference of perspective, the difference of background, geography, industry, functional area, disabilities, LGBTQ+, and so on. So it really challenge us to broaden that thinking and to really make sure that that type of thinking is reflected in our organizations. I love what you shared about how a company might become irrelevant if they are not focusing on inclusivity. I think that that is such an important thing to consider that when you are not representative and when you are not allowing voices to be heard and to be recognized, that you can really do some very serious damage to your organization and to what otherwise might be a very valid and very important mission and vision. And I'd love to hear you expand a little bit on how inclusivity impacts the workplace. I think you shared a couple of thoughts, especially as far as some of perhaps the external factors are concerned, how you might be able to connect with a customer base, for example. But I'd love to hear you share a little bit more about some of those relationships that we might have with colleagues or with coworkers and what could happen if inclusivity might start to impact how those relationships can develop and form. Yeah, what we know is that when you spend time with people that are different than you, you learn something different than you already knew. And this is really paramount to the diversity and inclusion conversation because I think often we're aware of the business case data better innovation, better decisions, better profitability, better revenues. I could go on and on and on. And that data has been around for years and diversity numbers are stagnant at best. So while the business case thing is important, it's really the human case that we're talking about, the relationship factor and building bridges inside organizations so that people feel like they can bring their full self to work. And if you reflect on your own experiences when you've been able to bring your full self to work versus when you have maybe had to cover a part of your identity, minimize or maximize traits about yourself to fit in, and much like I did in corporate America, I was very much more masculine than my my true gender identity is. And what the organization didn't get from me is they didn't get my most productive self. They didn't get my best high quality ideas. Uh, They certainly didn't get the most well thought through uh, ideas and opinions because I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel psychologically safe being my full self. 
versus, you know, when we have the opportunity to get to know people that are different than us, the differences are welcome, that they're appreciated, that people with different thinking is encouraged and like taken as a necessity inside our organization, you start to see this wonderful openness of communication, candor, curiosity, these wonderful attributes that I think a lot of organizations are aspiring to do with their value systems, uh, with their belief systems, but they're not really making that real traction. Those are words that are living on a wall on a website, but not in the real day-to-day behavior. And so if you think about it, and what can I gain from learning about somebody that's different from me? And that just makes you a better human at the core. It really does. I think what you have just shared is so powerful in enabling people to bring their best self to work. And I I think you're absolutely right. It feels different. It feels better when you're able to bring all of yourself to the role that you have. When you feel limited it really does change your contributions, the quality of your contributions. And in some cases, it may shut you down completely. So I think that is just such a powerful insight. And it really leads me to want to know more about what it means to be an ally for others at work. How would one do that as far as as being able to be that person for those that they work with? Yeah. So I like an allyship to being there for somebody that's different than you. And again, brought in those dimensions of difference beyond race and gender, but really seek out people that are different, that you haven't met before, you haven't surrounded yourself with throughout your career. And that's, it requires you to kind of put out the bat signal, if you will. If you think about Batman and, you know, clearly showing that I want to be an ally. I stri- I'm striving, I'm committed, I want to hear you, I'm here to support you, I'm, I'm here to listen, I'm here to empathize, I'm curious to get to know you. That's a well-intentioned allyship that's really about the person you're being an ally for, for versus how you want to show up as an ally. Now, what allies do really well is they provide a safe place for somebody that's perhaps underrepresented or somebody that's different than the majority group inside the organization to have a voice, to share hard things, to feel supported. And what they don't do is they don't make it all about them. (laughs) They don't uh, tell the person, you know, woe is you. Um, I'm sorry, that's terrible. Why were you in that position? (laughs) They don't judge you. (laughs) They're really there for you. They stand with you side by side and they use their power with you and on your benefit, but not power over you. And that's really important for especially white men that are most of our leaders inside most of our organizations. And I'm a a huge fan of white men. Uh, Do not get me wrong. I'm married to one. Um, (laughs) But while they're a big part of the problem, they're also a big part of the solution. And what I don't see in a lot of diversity and inclusion efforts is an intentional invitation to the white male leader to say, hey, we want your voice. We want you here. We want you to support us. And here's how you can do that. And there is a formula to allyship that that works. It's a kind of a choose your own adventure approach. There's a lot of attributes that I've studied 
that I know work really well. And, and by the way, it helps you be a better leader that really good people, really good talent also happens to want to work for. Oh, absolutely. And I'd love to hear more of more about some of those attributes, especially if someone is thinking, how can they take real actionable steps toward a goal of being a better ally? What would that look like? Yeah, it starts with looking in the mirror. <laughs> it yeah. starts with a little bit of self-awareness. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And just think about, I always challenge leaders think, why? Why is this important to you? I mean, really think about it. Not just, oh, it's the right thing for humans. Respect is important. You know, I hear a lot of things like that. Mm-hmm. Now, like dig deeper. Like, do you have kids? Do you care about this next generation? You know, for me, that's that's my why. Yeah. Um, even if you don't have kids, you know, like you just, <laughs> you care about people that you've had in your life that have supported you, whatever it is, make it personal. Because when you make it personal, you'll do the hard work associated with it. If this, if this was easy, we'd all be doing these things. Right. And so it, it is, it, you got to lean into it as comfort with discomfort. And that's another part of being an ally is being okay with discomfort, putting yourself in sticky situations and not knowing what to say or do and, and do just that. I don't know what I'm supposed to say right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I goofed that up. You know, I in the past week have apologized three times um, to people that I goofed it up with. We're all allies in training. It's okay to admit weaknesses, mistakes along the way to bumble and stumble. Uh, You got to pick yourself back up though. You can't be like, oh, see, I tried and it didn't work. (laughs) No. You got to keep going because, you know, those that are marginalized and underrepresented, they don't get a choice. You know, they don't get to say, well, I can't care about racism today. Like, no, you have to care about it every day if you're affected by it. So lean into that discomfort. You learn. I always coach people. Education's like 80% of the journey. And unfortunately, with our current education system, we really have to unlearn a lot of the unhelpful programming we received in our education programs that weren't helpful um, with regards to racism and sexism and other forms of systemic real necessary change. And so read some books, listen to some podcasts like this one, uh, engage. Um, There's a great resource list that we have featured on our website that has a huge um, array of topics. And it could be a two minute video. It could be, you know, a pretty lengthy podcast, but choose your own adventure, find out what you don't know, and then figure out how to know more about that. And, And one caveat here, don't rely on other people to educate you, especially those that already experience it. As a woman in corporate America, you know, if a man, no one ever did this, but if they had, it'd been a little weird. You know, what's it like to be a woman here at our organization? <laughs> you know, like, oh, I get, you know, in 10 minutes, I could really educate you on this. And, you know, if it'd been a trusted colleague, I had a good relationship, of course, I would have indulged and had that conversation. But if I didn't know the person, I mean, that's kind of a weird thing to ask, right? Sure. But oftentimes I see this white, really intentioned, well-intentioned white people asking people of color, like, hey, is this really real? Like what's happening? <laughs> like, you know, you don't want to put the person that's already dealing with the trauma associated uh, with what's going on in the world to also have to do the education for you. So Google search what you don't know, mm-hmm. find podcasts, videos, resources, go to nextpivotpoint.com if you can't find anything. <laughs> There's so much content. Um, and then stay on the journey. And this is important because there you got to keep your oxygen mask on, practicing self-care. This is exhausting work. It's emotional. It's hard. It's a journey, not a destination. And so stay on it. 
keep talking. Uh, what I ask, I ask for feedback uh, from my allies, you know, what can I do more of? And they're like, keep talking, Julie, keep talking. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, challenge accepted. I will keep doing things like what we're doing right now and using my voice for change. And especially where maybe you don't stand to benefit. And pun intended, you know, with race, I, I don't look like I have skin in the game uh, being a white person. And so when I speak up, about anti-racism, people kind of look like, what? What's she talking about? Because when black and brown people talk about it, it becomes very much like, oh, this they're saying this because it, it affects them and they benefit from this, which we all benefit from addressing these things, by the way. But it's a little less self-serving. Um, and I think that's a sign of your privilege. So wherever you have privileges, you have a chance to be an ally. Great. That's very interesting. Um I am thinking about being a productive professional. And so would you share with us what your thoughts are about the correlation behind coming from the place of being an ally and being a successful professional? Hmm. There's a lot of research on this. Um, Deloitte and McKenzie and a few of the other consulting firms have studied inclusive leadership over the years, and they've distilled it to some traits, most of which I just mentioned. And what they found is leaders that are most successful, leaders that lead inclusively are very much one and the same. And so when you practice curiosity, you practice candor, you practice consistency as a leader, not only are you more inclusive, and not only are you going to draw out the best in your talent, not only are you going to attract a more diverse set of people to your organization and your team, but you're also going to be more effective when leading them because you're going to be willing to hear different perspectives, because you're willing to challenge the norms, because you show up consistently and people know what to expect of you and they believe you that you really care about this. And so I like to think of allyship really as synergistic with inclusive leadership, very much one in the same. By being an ally, you're being more inclusive and you're being a better leader. I think that's a fantastic insight. And it really brings to mind what I think in a way is sort of the million dollar question. Although I think I will ask this into, it's almost a two-part question. How can we build workplaces that foster inclusive behaviors? And I think the even more important question to ask within that is, if your workplace is not incorporating inclusive practices, what can we do to start that conversation and to start to build the kind of work environment that we want to have? Yeah, I mean, step one, there's, and two, it, there's, it's never too late to start. Yeah. And so if you might be working for an organization that just hasn't quite gotten it together yet, or you went through a pandemic and couldn't prioritize this, there's several industries that I don't speak with because they're very busy, like healthcare and higher ed, for example. So don't worry. Um, the, getting on the journey can start at any time. It's never too late to, to fix. Now, it is a journey and you might be a little further behind in the journey. So just acknowledging that. Um, but I have organizations that just got started last year, you know, because of what happened with George Floyd and the summer's events and the progress that they're making by consistently keeping their foot on the pedal and consistently making commitments 
is amazing. I mean, just in nine months time, I've seen some organizations close the gap on releasing not only a, a good diversity statement, not just the ones that you know PR wrote up and put up on the internet in June, and not just making the donation with no actions behind it, but they actually you know, put together a strategy. They put together a set of actions, a roadmap. They have a DEI council, diversity, equity, inclusion uh, council. They have employee resource groups. Um, all those things can be done in, in short order, but it takes intention. It takes consistency and it does take the commitment of your leadership team. Those are three criteria that are the basis for which I decide if I want to work with someone or not, if they're a good fit. Because if you're not willing to be intentional about this and have a strategy that behind it and consistently communicate over time the importance and provide education and have your senior leadership team fully engaged and supportive of this, then it's just not going to work. It's lip service. It's not genuine. And I have a lot of clients that when I do listening sessions with their employees, that's what they say. Like, I just wonder how long this is going to be important. How, how long before it goes back to normal? How long before they don't care about someone like me again? And, and that just breaks my heart. You have to do it genuinely. You have to do it consistently. Your people know. They know right away if you're doing this truthfully or not. All right. So, Julie. At the end of every episode, we like to ask our guests five rapid-fire style questions. Each question requires less than 60 seconds to respond. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. Great. Give us one book that all talent development professionals must read and why. Uh, I love Adam Grant's latest book, uh, Don't Think... No, it's just... I screwed up the title. Think again. I was going to say, don't think. And I was like, that doesn't sound right. It's think again by Adam Grant. Great. Give us one tool that you recently learned about and immediately started using. Oh, I just got into Brene Brown's podcast over the last year. Well, two podcasts now. And I stumbled upon an episode from a few months ago with Jim Collins, the author of Good to Great and the Hedgehog Concept is one that he talked about that really resonated with me. You got to be good at something. You got to be passionate about something and it has to have economic value. And it was a good reminder to stick to our core competencies. I love it. What's the best piece of talent development related advice you've ever been given? Mm, care about people. <laughs> I know that sounds really simple. I wish it was more true. I'll never forget uh, when I left my first organization in corporate, a man that I'd had a lot of challenges with <laughs> over the course of the last few years came up to me and said, thank you. You really cared. And he said it with tears in his eyes. And I'll just never forget that feeling of someone believed that I cared. Someone felt cared for at work. I love when that happens. Thanks for sharing. That's, that's just a great example. Um, tell us, what is one thing you're excited about that's coming up in 2021? Mm, I have a new book, a children's book focused on diversity, The Little Allies. You can find it on Amazon. 100% of the proceeds are going towards nonprofits doing this work with children. And I'm super proud that we get to donate those proceeds to support 
the work to start this conversation earlier because starting it later in life is much more difficult if the seeds haven't been planted earlier. Absolutely. Wow. This is great. Thanks for sharing that as well. What is one thing within the ATD community that you're deeply grateful for? Hmm, the camaraderie. This is amazing that y'all come together and share this expertise and this passion and help leaders be better. And I love that we have community right now. I think that's something in the pandemic world that we've really learned how much we need each other and how much we need our community, even if it is online. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't agree more. And Julie, as we wrap up today, I want to say as much as you have encouraged us to think about what it means to be an ally and how we can be allies, I think you've really inspired us to be better humans. So we are really grateful to you for your time and your wisdom and your reflections. This has been a really, really powerful opportunity to chat with you today. Thank you so much for having me. And of course, thank you to my co-host, Leticia, as well. Thank you so much. I love how positive this topic of diversity came across. Um, Being an ally is so important. And I want to thank you for taking the time to share this perspective when it comes to this such uh, a challenging topic sometimes. Thank you. And of course, many thanks to all of you within our community for listening today. And before you go, we have a message from our producer, Helena Hodges. Are you looking for new opportunities in the talent development field? Then go to dcatd.org forward slash jobs. Follow the Metro DC chapter of ATD on LinkedIn today.